Grace and mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is the tail end of our epistle reading where Jesus talks about learning to forgive in the same way that he has forgiven us. But I want to ask this question, you know, in a world that's got so much pain, so much hatred, so much animosity between races and tribes and nations, is total forgiveness actually realistic or is it just a distant dream or a, a theory that can never become reality? Now, I, I guess the question is fair and honest and it deserves an answer and we might end up saying something like this. Uh, yeah, total forgiveness is the best way, but it is so far beyond us that we must settle for something much less. Now, we could say that, and maybe we actually have said it or think it, but we would be wrong. Total forgiveness may be beyond us, but that doesn't mean that total forgiveness is impossible. It just means that we have fallen far short of God's goal for us as Christ followers. I want to begin today with the observation that forgiveness of sins is one of the major biblical doctrines. And the Bible has a lot to say about God's forgiveness of our sins because this is where salvation really begins. And you'll probably see a bunch of Bible passages perhaps on the screen. Uh, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there's forgiveness. Isaiah says, you have put all my sins behind your back. Uh, I am alone the one who blots out your sins. And we could go on and on and on, all the way down through Micah and Acts and Ephesians chapter 1. Now, no matter what else I may say today about forgiveness in this message, Let's clearly understand that salvation begins with our forgiveness that we receive from God. If God did not forgive me, if he did not forgive you, we would have to shoulder our sin forever. We'd be weighed down by a load of guilt that could never, ever be removed. But the Bible also has a lot to say about our forgiveness of sins of other people that they've committed against us. And to give you two examples, these two passages, I call them kind of the twin towers of forgiveness. Mark 11, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you and your sins. And then the second one from Ephesians 3, 4, our text, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now, I call these the Twin Towers, and a couple of points might be made regarding these Twin Towers of forgiveness. And again, they're like four little things. One of them is Christianity is supremely a religion of forgiveness. Now, understand, it's Christianity that has forgiveness. Other religions of this world, there's no forgiveness. There's payback, and it's hard payback. It's deadly payback. But see, this begins with God, and it comes down to us. There's a second thing to remember, and that is that God has only one solution to the problem of human sin, and that is the act of forgiveness. If we do not accept his solution, guess what? None will be offered to us either. Or third, God has shown us how to forgive others. We're just do for others what he's already done for us. Pastor showed us how to do that. By imitating, we be little Christ. We are Christ-like. That's why we call ourselves Christ followers. He's our model. We follow after him. 
And fourth, there's a direct connection between our own spiritual health and our willingness to forgive people who have sinned against us. See, when we have a root of bitterness that has grown up in us, we cannot be truly healthy. And I have no doubt that in a group this size, there may be a few that have got a root, the wrong kind, growing. That spirit of unforgiveness that you have kind of held on to and nurtured and maybe even watered over the years, and you refuse to give it up. Now, I'm sure we'd all agree that forgiveness is of the Lord, in the sense that forgiveness always starts with our Heavenly Father. It comes down to us, but then we are to be a conduit to offer that forgiveness to other people. That's why Ephesians said we are to forgive how? As God forgave us. Uh, To put it in the literal translation of the Greek, in the same manner. We pray the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins in the same way that we forgive other people. That's kind of a dangerous prayer when you think about it. See, forgive is actually a Greek word that means be gracious. Be gracious. It includes, but it includes forgiveness as a much broader concept. And we're to extend grace to other people in the same way that God extends grace to us. See, you and I, the undeserving, have been showered with God's grace in Christ. Can I remind you of the baptism this morning? God is showering sky with his forgiveness and his power. And now, we now pass it on to other people. It's from God to us, grace to us, but grace to others. That's God's plan. But the question is, is it realistic for us to live this way? I mean, is this standard too high that we should forgive like in the same way that Jesus forgives us? I mean, can anybody really live that way? I mean, what would a graceful lifestyle actually look like? When Paul says forgiving one another, what does he mean? Well, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, and I'm going to answer them, I suppose. Here's my first one. What is forgiveness, anyway? Well, various authors use different Hebrew and Greek words to convey the concept of forgiveness. Actually, one, one definition means to blot out. You ever spill something on yourself and you blot it out? Or you know you're really a caffeine fiend if you actually suck coffee out of your shirt that you accidentally spilled on yourself. I'm not sure that's a biblical term, but who knows? Another common Hebrew word means to lift and carry away, as if a heavy load has been lifted from your shoulders. Other words are you're going to release somebody from debt or to show grace to somebody who sinned greatly. Interestingly enough, as I study this text, the Bible uses 75 plus different word pictures for forgiveness. Let me just give you a few. Uh, To forgive is to turn the key, open the cell door, and let the prisoner walk free. I like that. I just got out of prison on Thursday morning. And some of you who have no idea, you're probably going, oh, my gosh, who is this guy? To get out of prison. Here's another one. To forgive is to write in large letters across the debt, nothing owed. Kind of like Jesus said, it is finished. To tell a stipe, bam, paid in full, debt's gone. How about this one? To forgive is to shoot an arrow so high and so far that it can never be found again. Or uh, to forgive is to loose the moorings of a ship and release it into the open sea. Or this one's for Derek. To forgive is to relax a stranglehold on a wrestling opponent. 
Jason the Builder to forgive us the sandblast, a wall of graffiti, leaving it looking like new. To forgive, let's see, is Joyce Perry here? Yeah, to forgive is to smash a clay pot into a thousand pieces so it can never be put together again. That's what forgiveness is. And maybe what we should do is remind ourselves what forgiveness does not mean. It does not mean denying that something bad ever happened. It doesn't mean excusing sinful behavior. It doesn't mean pretending that it never happened. It doesn't mean removing all consequences for wrong behavior. It doesn't mean you're approving of evil or condoning abuse. It, you don't act as if it never took place. You don't let other people continually abuse you verbally, sexually, physically, whatever it may be. And it is not pretending that you don't hurt as a result of it. That's not forgiveness. So what are we talking about? What is forgiveness? Well, the most important thing I can say, and maybe the most important sentence if you can actually remember what I'm saying this morning, is this. Forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. Do you get that? Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. See, God never says to somebody else, I forgive you, or you forgive other people if you feel like it. I'll tell you, there have been a lot of people who have done things to me in my life. I didn't feel like forgiving them. Forgiveness is not about your feelings. If you've been deeply hurt, you will probably never, ever feel like forgiving someone. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is a decision that you will make in your heart. It's a choice to release other people who have sinned against you. That's why in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5, it tells us that love keeps no record of wrongs. I wonder how many of you are walking around... With a little notebook and writing stuff down. See, forgiveness means letting go of the anger and the desire for revenge. And seen in its true light, forgiveness is an act of mercy towards the offender. Now, sometimes we hear something like this. Well, he doesn't deserve to be forgiven. Well, duh. No kidding. He doesn't. No one deserves forgiveness. The person who hurt you doesn't deserve it. You don't deserve what you've done to other people. Forgiveness isn't earned, and if a person could earn forgiveness, he wouldn't need it in the first place. It's a gift of mercy that you give to someone else who hurt you. But notice this qualifier. It says the gift is given to the other person, but it remains between you and God. The other person may never know you've actually offered forgiveness to them. When you forgive, God knows, and you know, and that's really all that matters. And the result is a change in the way that you feel and the change in the way that you act toward that other person. Now, I think there's a whole bunch more questions going to appear on the screen. We'll see if we can get through these pretty quickly. How do I know if I've, it, when I have truly forgiven somebody? Well, here's my simple answer to this question. You know you've forgiven when you no longer think about it day and night. You know you're forgiven when you no longer talk about it to everybody about it all the time. You no longer feel the need to seek revenge for it. You, you no longer feel bitterness and anger. You can recall those who hurt you and you can wish them well. But see, it's a gift of mercy that you give to someone who's hurt you. But again, the qualifier is between you and God. Well, here's the third question. Is forgiveness an event or a process? What do you think? Is forgiveness an event or a process? Well, the answer is yes. It is. 
It's both an event in the sense that you must at some time decide to forgive someone. It's a process because quite often you have to do it over and over and over again. Now, that may not seem like a word of hope, but in fact it is. Remember, forgiveness is not a tool that you're using to manipulate people into having a good relationship with you. No one can force another person to be reconciled uh, with you. That comes from a heart that's prompted by the very presence of the Holy Spirit. When it comes down to it, there are two very good reasons to forgive that have nothing to do with the other person. One, you should forgive simply because God said to. The other one is you should forgive because forgiveness is good for your soul. I mean, any other benefits, kind of like having ice cream on top of apple pie. It's nice, but it's not necessary. We, well, some of you think it is, but <laughs> we do it, offer forgiveness for God's sake and for our own sake. And that ought to be enough to motivate anybody. That fourth question, does forgiveness always lead to reconciliation? The answer is no. I mean, forgiveness is one thing. Reconciliation is something else. Reconciliation requires forgiveness, but forgiveness does not demand reconciliation. Forgiveness depends on you. Reconciliation is you plus that other person. It implies confession, repentance, forgiveness, restoration of trust, a passage of time, plus a mutual desire to reconcile. And often it's not possible. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes it's not very wise to try to achieve reconciliation. How about number five? What about the person who said, I can forgive, but I can't forget? You ever said that? I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget it. Very common problem and a very common statement. And I'm going to confess something to you as a pastor, and that is I've changed my mind to the answer to this question over the years. If you go back and you listen to my sermons on forgiveness, probably within the last three or four or five years, you might actually hear me say something like, if you haven't forgotten, you haven't really forgiven. I wonder why I ever thought that. <laughs> I must have got up out of bed on the wrong side or wrote my sermon in, the, in my sleep. But then I do know why I said that. We all understand that God forgets our sins. He blots them out, puts them behind his back, casts them into the depths of the sea, and then puts up a no-fishing sign. I mean, he can forget our sins. Why? Because he's God. He has the power to do things like that. But we're not God. That's lesson number one in life. God is God. You aren't. We're not God, and our painful memories often return to haunt us over the years. So in pondering this problem, uh, my mind ran to a scripture in the book of Hebrews that speaks of God's forgiveness of sins. Now, surely, if we have trouble forgetting, what about God who never forgets anything? Well, I found Hebrews ten seventeen: Their sins and their laws, lawless acts, I will what? Remember no more. Now, just think about that. God says, your sins, I'm not going to remember them anymore. God's forgiveness means that he actually chooses not to remember. And I think that's helpful. 
Because forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling or a mood. It's not a passing notion. Forgiveness does not, does not mean that we somehow wipe out of our mind that record of what happened. Forgiveness just means we choose not to remember it. And there's a significant difference between remembering something and dwelling on it. We can all remember, if we try hard enough, things in the past that have hurt us deeply. Forgiveness, though, comes when you choose not to dwell on those things. It also means that you choose not to hold grudges against people who may have sinned against you. Number six, do I need to tell the person I forgive you? The answer is not necessarily. Not necessarily. Obviously, if they ask for your forgiveness, sure. And if you, and if you intend to forgive them, then you say, yeah, I forgive you. But I'm thinking about those times when you, uh, we are hurt by the thoughtless comments or unkind actions of other people. Most of the time, it isn't very helpful to say, oh, I forgive you. In fact, I almost find that about 90% of the time in my life, you end up picking a fight with that person because that person says, oh, I didn't do anything that you ought to be forgiving me. Who do you think you are? You ever had that one? See, it helps to remember that your forgiveness doesn't depend on them. You don't need their permission to forgive them. You don't need their agreement that they were wrong. And then, as you have heard me say, once you've done that, build a bridge and get over it. Move on. How about number seven? How do you forgive if they don't confess to you? Well, this last answer brings us to, I think, really the very heart of the matter. If they don't ask for forgiveness, how can you forgive them? Now, I pause to comment that this is a painful problem for many people. In fact, I, I sometimes think most people, because we live in a cruel world that's full of cruel people. They really are. I mean, there are people out there in this world today that will stomp on your face and they will walk away laughing. I saw a video the other day of a policeman's son who kicked a guy who was down and then cursed him and laughed in the camera. And guess what? There are people like that out there who will do that again and again and again and again. Now, how do you forgive some? And also, how do you forgive somebody who's died? What about people who've moved away and you have no opportunity to confront them? Well, I guess you wait until they come back to a baptism, huh? <laughs> you may not even know their name or where they live that sinned against you. I mean, what does it mean to forgive in that situation? Well, writing about 400 years ago, John Calvin addressed this question by saying there are really two kinds of forgiveness. The first is where the person who did wrong admits it, comes asking for forgiveness, you grant it, you hug, and the relationship is restored. That's the best kind. That's the ideal. Confession, forgiveness, reconciliation, healing. Unfortunately, this fallen world the ideal is not always possible. Sometimes people who have wronged us will not admit their guilt in any way. In fact, some will lie to cover up the truth or cut off the relationship rather than work on any form of reconciliation. Sometimes they're going to keep right on hurting us on purpose. So how do you learn to forgive in a situation like that? Well, here's how you can forgive even in the situation in the sense that you let go of your anger you let go of your bitterness, and you refuse to let that hurt dominate your life. 
True, that relationship may be broken. It may never be healed. But you can choose not to remember the sins that other people have committed against you. You can choose to wipe the slate clean so that your life is free to move forward. And that's not easy, but it's far better than living in the past, nursing some wounded spirit. It's also very biblical. Remember the story of Jesus hanging on the cross between thieves, an innocent man put to death for something he did not do. And yet he says in Luke 23, Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. How about one more? What about the feelings of anger that keep coming back? How do you deal with that? Well, that's a fairly widespread problem, especially when we feel deeply and repeatedly mistreated. Now, in the church where I grew up, St. John's Lutheran Church in Seward, Nebraska, my grandpa was the janitor at the church, the school, and the parish hall, so I spent a lot of time in church. Uh, you went up the steps, and there was a bell tower. There was a rope that was there, and if you pulled on that rope, the bell would ring. When I pulled on the rope, you'd hear ding, dong, ding, dong, ding, dong. Now, what happens if I take my hands off the rope and don't pull it again? Nothing. The sound fades away. And I find forgiveness to be like that. I mean, when we forgive someone else, we take our hand off the rope. But if we've been, we're tugging on our grievances all the time, we shouldn't be surprised if those old ding-dong feelings keep sounding in our hearts and our lives. They're just the ding-dongs of an old bell. Take your hands off of it. Build a bridge. Move on. So it's not surprising if after forgiveness for a while the memories keep coming back. But sooner or later, the sound of those bells drift away. And if you refuse to dwell on them, next thing you know, gone. So that brings me back to the original question. Is total forgiveness realistic? Now, on a purely human level, the answer is no. In our own strength, we will never, ever be able to forgive as, other, as God forgives us. Completely, absolutely, freely, immediately, graciously, with no strings attached. See, as long as you and I want to continue living on a human level, total forgiveness will be beyond our grasp. But once we bring God into the equation, once we bring God into the picture, everything changes because with God, what does Scripture say? All things are what? Possible. See, on the supernatural level, that's where God works, Total forgiveness is not only realistic, it is the supernatural way of living. See, forgiveness is nothing less than a total miracle of God. It's a miracle we receive the moment we put our trust in Jesus. And it's a miracle we give to other people in the name of Jesus, by his power and for his sake, as we forgive other people. See, without forgiveness, friends, there is no future. There is no freedom. There's no hope. There's no healing. But where there is forgiveness, there is grace and there is mercy and a future as bright as the promises of God. See, if God found a way to include us in his love, 
can we not reach out to those who have sinned against us? I mean, this is the very heart of the gospel, living it out. What God has freely done for us, we are called to do for other people. See, the heart of God is filled with love, and at its center stands the cross. And through that cross, you and I have been forgiven. May God give us grace to do for others as he has done for us. Amen. And according to my bulletin, you're going to gather your tithes and offerings at this time. Why don't we pray for the tithes and offerings today before we collect them? Lord, as the people have come into your house today, they are bringing their gifts, their tithes and their offerings for the ministry of this church. The ministry that we pray that would extend way beyond the doors of this place, that they would extend even to the ends of the earth, to bring that rich grace, mercy, love, forgiveness to people all over. We pray it in his precious name. Amen.